Welcome to week four uh, for our series, Trending. And the phrase that we'll talk about today is, love is love, love is love. Let me just, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard that phrase before, love is love? Okay, it was like early service. I don't think anyone had heard, so I won't, I won't explain it then, that's great. So you're familiar with it, and we'll really dive into it, especially from John the Beloved's perspective, First John 4. Before we jump into the message, let's begin with prayer. Sanctify us by the truth, O Lord. Yes, set us apart to understand love and truth for your holy saving purposes. Sanctify us by the truth. Your word alone is truth. Amen. So I've been thinking a lot with this series, trending, and uh, if you haven't seen the first few messages, like trending, uh, the phrase, science is real, and uh, God spoke to me, that's another phrase that kind of maybe trends among Christians, or last week, you be you, check those out. Uh, A lot of truth, seemingly, to those phrases, but some difficulty, too, which God's word always points out. Uh, But I've been thinking about a lot of phrases, and not every trending phrase is of deep theological Doctrinal importance. Take this one, for example. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. Uh, you familiar with that one? It's, it's a trending phrase now. Maybe you've seen a lot of memes with that. Hold my beer. I suppose a generation or two ago, it was just an innocent request. Maybe you're at a family function like uh, you could be this time of year. And uh, you'd say to a friend, hey, hold my beer. And you light up the grill. That's nice, isn't it? That's pleasant. Or, hey, hold my beer, and you grab your child, you get them seated in the swing, and you push, and it's a nice day, and you grab your beer. But you know now, if you know the phrase, hold my beer means somebody's about ready to do something really stupid, <laughs> and just by dumb luck, they're going to they're gonna lose their life. Picture maybe a, a meme of a guy spraying down a hornet's nest with lighter fluid, saying, hold my beer, and then lighting a match. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Uh, Or it's actually a deeper meaning to this phrase now, and I kind of like this approach. I saw a couple memes, one with Tom Brady, another with Aaron Rodgers. So uh, one that says, no one will ever play in the NFL into their 50s. And then Tom Brady says, hold my beer, right? Who knows, maybe he will one day. Or it said, Hail Mary, question mark. And then there was Aaron Rodgers saying, hold my beer. You know, because he, he's known for that, right? Just the miraculous throws and the Packers win in the last few seconds. I think it's a good phrase maybe to start off with as we're about ready to dive into love is love. I think there are some messages you have no idea where they're going to go if they're going to talk about something like love is love. And it could be an idiotic pursuit. But today, we're going to let God's word speak to this. It's almost like God's word is saying, hold my beer. I'm going to speak the truth to you, and it's going to be loving and full of grace, and it will be saving. And that's how important of an issue this is, this trending phrase, love is love. Now, at first glance, love is love. That's an amazing, I I like that phrase. I think it's beautiful. Uh, First of all, how would you argue against it? Why would you even want to? I mean, love is love. How many of you like love? Oh, good, good. You have a heartbeat. (laughs) We love love. We're wired for love. God made us to love and be loved. 
So uh, love is love. Why, I, why would we even want to argue against that? It's a beautiful phrase. It's like just saying blue is blue or pizza is pizza or bald is beautiful. I mean, how can you argue against any of uh, threw that in there for you? So at face value, there's no issue with love is love. But there's a deeper meaning. And this is where it began to trend. And uh, this is our first point, maybe if you're taking notes. Today, love is love means something more. It means something deeper. It means support for gay marriage. And it goes all the way back to 2015, if not before. Uh, and if you remember back then, some seven or so years ago, uh, our nation was kind of divided on uh, equality in marriage, we were hearing, and whether or not same-sex couples should have the right to be married. And it was in June, June 26, 2015, the Supreme Court ruled in favor for rights for gay people to be married. And it was legalized across the country. What was the slogan, love is love, that was used as a way to argue for equality in marriage? Of course, that trending phrase didn't stop trending. Uh, and if we haven't seen it lately, you'll probably see it again in June. June is Gay Pride Month, and you'll probably see a lot of people with good intentions, with loving hearts, say love is love, and maybe with a rainbow circle around whatever message. And when you see that, they're in support of all things LGBTQIA+. Um, it's an acronym, but it's very meaningful. Every letter uh, to it means something. Uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning, intersex, ally, or asexual, and so on and so forth. How people define themselves today um, as to their sexuality or their gender. So that's what that means. And our, our task for today with this series is, what does God think about that deeper meaning of love is love? What does that what does it mean to God, whom, well, John tells us, is love? So I started thinking about love is love, and I, then I started thinking about other phrases, maybe inspired straight out of the Bible, about love. And that led me to this one here, if you're filling in blanks. God, God is love. And isn't that beautiful, too? I mean, at face value and as to any deeper meaning, God is love. And God has not left us without an understanding of what real love, true love looks like. And I love this phrase for another reason. If you uh, Google this and search images for this, you're going to find proponents of love is love or those that are against that saying both agree, ah, this is important. God is love. Uh, in fact, if, if you look at some images, you're going to see, uh, again, rainbow backdrops with something like, God is love, God made the rainbow, God is for gay love. Or you'll see Jesus' thoughts. Jesus said, love all people. Jesus' love is all-inclusive. So you'll see images pop up like this. A rainbow and Jesus and God is love. And kind of wrestling with, well, how does that fit into or more so, how does love as love fit into that? Uh, now, this is my book that I wrote, and I am not trying to self-promote at all. Uh, I, I share this with you for a couple of reasons. One, because of some of the messages that are out there today, which can be confusing. Uh, Rainbow Savior, this work, uh, and you can pick up on Amazon, I would say get a digital copy if you really are interested. 
it only takes like a couple bucks, and I don't make any money off that. I wrote this as a labor of love because in my previous ministry, I was able to counsel a lot of people who struggled with same-sex attraction, SSA we call it. In fact, I'm part of a ministry now called Reclamation. And I have some great Christian friends as part of that that we look to as a network, encourage people that struggle, that are looking for answers, looking for a safe place to truly talk about what they wrestle with or their families. Um, So Rainbow Savior is a book that really dives deep into that. If you would like to borrow a copy from me, you can do that for free. Just let me know. And really, I'm here to be of encouragement, to have that conversation with anybody who desires that. It was interesting, I saw that phrase, you know, God made rainbows, God is for gay love. And in my last chapter in Rainbow Savior, I talk about the historical meaning, the biblical portrayal of the rainbow. You can go to Genesis chapter 6 through 8, chapter 9. That's the worldwide flood. And this is really rich in meaning. And this is, this is part of God is love. Did you know that the rainbow in the Hebrew language, it's actually not rainbow it's war bow. It's a, it's, a, it's a bow that you would use, an archer would use in war. And I think it's interesting that after the flood, this universal judgment where everyone was destroyed except eight people, God says to Noah, and it's written in Scripture, he says, Noah, I'm going to take my war bow and I'm going to hang it up. I'm not going to fire universal judgment at humanity until the end. It will be a day when I take it down. But not until my grace has been fulfilled in every way in the one I send. Which is why you find Jesus on a cross. But as the arrow of God's love to rescue us and then judgment in the end. Because Jesus is the one who will judge the world. And praise God, he came first to save it. And that's why you see the rainbow pop up in scriptures from time to time, and even Jesus being prophesied about being the arrow in God's quiver to rescue and then to judge. This is why at the end of the Bible, you see a rainbow-encircled throne of God. Uh, So we don't have a lot of time to go into other aspects of it, but we're talking about God as love, and it is very much tied up in the rainbow, but what's the meaning of that? Well, John hasn't left us without meaning Let's fill in a couple more blanks here. As we'll take a look at 1 John 4, we'll see that this is what it means that God is love. First of all, God is the source of all love, which is holy and good and right and sincere and true and beautiful in every way. Even as ugly as it could look, still God's love. Which kind of leads me to the next thought. God's exercise of love is always selfless. That is a trademark, a key characteristic of love, real love. In fact, that is the image of God. God is holy and righteous, always other-oriented, never about himself, always about what's blessing for you, for me. And that's exemplified at the cross. So if you want to see what true love looks like, just look to the cross. And I'll give you an example, which I think is very applicable with God is love, and love is love, and what else the Bible might say about love? You think about this, when you look at Jesus on the cross, that kind of love is, is ugly, hard to look at when you really see what it, what it meant for Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful. And, and so at first, I mean, this is, is tough love. 
And when you think about this kind of love, too, with Jesus on the cross, how much of it was fueled by warm, fuzzy feelings? I mean, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was not feeling good about us as far as if he were attracted to us. Oh, look at them. Because we were killing him. We were nailing him to the cross. We looked at him like he was despised by God and deserved hell, which is what he suffered. You could argue that Jesus had no feelings for us on the cross, but he loved us regardless. And you can even say, were we friends even when Jesus died for us? No, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, enemies of God, he loved us. So that love really isn't about feeling, and that love isn't even reasonable, but that's God for you. That's divine love. And that's what John is talking about in 1 John 4. So think about this. Think about what John's saying and what he's not saying. John says, love, love comes from God. And everyone who loves like this, selflessly, true love, never mind feelings, never mind reason, committed to the end, never mind self. Everyone who loves, ah, they've been born of God. Know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world, right? There's love. You can judge all love by that. Yes, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's no greater love. And it's beautiful, and that kind of love wins over feelings for God and wins over a right mind. It's reasonable. So the truth that's going to help us as we continue to evaluate that trending phrase, love is love, fill in the thought here. God is love sets the standard to judge all trending phrases on love. God will make all things clear through his word. That's a promise founded on Christ who is love. So I started thinking again, like, okay, trending phrase, love is love. Ah, God is love can help us understand this and its deeper meaning, love is love. Is it good? Is it right? Is it something else? So I thought of another trending phrase. At least it was trending 1,600 years ago, which I still think is worthy of a hashtag today. But I want to share with you this phrase that came from a guy who was like a theological giant, one of the early church fathers, uh, but he wasn't always so godly. His name is St. Augustine or St. Augustine, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, he was an immoral man, like terrible. <laughs> As in, and his sin of choice was lust. I mean, sins of human sexuality, that was his thing. And he writes about all of this very honestly in his work called Confessions. And here's a gem that comes out of this work, inspired by the scripture, sin is love misplaced. You ever thought of it that way? Sin is love? That sounds weird. It sounds like sin is anything but love. Oh, but he was so right. Sin is love misplaced. It's not in its right spot. It's out of order. Uh, sin is love broken, abused, destructive. 
either immediately or in the long term. And, and maybe if, if we think about it, and this would be in line with Romans 3.23, says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. The glory of God is true love. We all fall short. Although, how many times have we done something as sinners thinking, that's the loving thing to do. But then there was shame and regret and guilt. I think about it as, as simply as this. I was talking about football before, but how many of you like football? Are you sad that, I mean, you've got a few months yet? Maybe you were watching the drafts and all that, like, oh, great, or whatever. So you love football. Football's a good thing. I mean, every good and perfect gift comes from God, and if you enjoy football in a God-pleasing way, that's good. And if you love it, that's great. But I think you'd all agree that if I started loving football more than my wife, and she's right over there, <laughs> she would be pretty upset, and rightly so, or more than my kids, or let's say I had to choose between watching the football game or an important family function, like a birthday party, right? Which, by the way, if you loved your family, you'd never plan a birthday party on a football game, am I right? So, but if I chose football over family, well, now that's love misplaced. That's sin. Sin, isn't it? Or if I chose football over God, anything over God, that's love for the wrong thing, or at least wrongly placed. And now if we start talking about the sins that St. Augustine confessed, sins of human sexuality, you could see why, oh, it makes sense. You could see why sin is so tempting, so seductive, why people fall into it, and it should humble us all, why would we ever judge anyone for embracing love, even if it's misplaced? Think about internet pornography. Why is that a thing? And why is it an epidemic today where many men struggle with that, and women too? You know why that is? Because it looks like love. It feels like love. It's all love, except, oh, it's so destructive, so misplaced. It is not God's design for marriage. And that's why it destroys someone. And how they view the opposite gender or the same destroys their family, destroys their relationship with their kids. So that's why God says, yeah, it's love, but it's misplaced. It's sin. They'll take my grace and be forgiven. And leave your life of sin. Or, or you, I was thinking about it, it's that time of year where prom, right? And you get all these awesome pictures of people dressed up so nice, or young people. And you got boyfriends and girlfriends there, and they're excited. And it's a wonderful evening, and there might be an after-prom party, and it can be good. But how often does it turn bad real quick? And why is that? Well, because you got two people who are attracted to each other. They love each other. And things happen because of love. We'd all agree that's love misplaced, that's sin. Well, let's say two people are getting serious and they want to get married, so this is what we do in our culture. If you really want to see if you're ready to get married, you live together before you sign the document. And you express all sorts of love like married people do. And it seems right and it makes sense. But God says, although that's love, it's misplaced, that's not my design. And no wonder the stats bear out that you're more likely to get a divorce if you live together ahead of time. 
than if you finally express yourself in intimacy in marriage as its intended unconditional commitment. But we often do what we want. Or extramarital affairs, or you name it, or even divorce for unscriptural reasons. Isn't that also about love? I mean, irreconcilable differences of two people, they're just not in love anymore. Well, I guess God wants me to be happy, so I should leave and find new love. We go on down the line. In fact, sin is so insidious, and it can feel like love, that a guy like me, when I preach about true love and all the ways that we sin, if I'm not careful... If I love the truth more than the souls the truth seeks to serve, and if I come off like a Pharisee, as if I'm holier than thou and I'm guilty of sin, then I've loved the wrong thing too in the wrong order. That's love. But it's misplaced. And so let's sum up this truth this way. Paul's going to help us out. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, talking about the different natures of love that are out there, and not all of them are good. Paul actually describes the end times. He says it's going to get really messed up in the end times. It's going to get really broken and really tragic, and maybe we start thinking, oh, you mean like violent and full of hatred and so on and so forth. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. It's going to get messed up when it comes to love. He says this, he says, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers. Oh, not haters, lovers. Well, lovers of themselves. And in that, boastful and proud and without love. Not lovers of the good, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And that, my friends, is sin. It looks like love, feels like love, but it's me, 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 and it's empty, and it's out without God's power. And so, some truths for us to recognize from Scripture. You know, there is some love that's good. For filling in the blank, some love that's good. And that love is from God, and he defines that love. Some love is bad, abused, that love is sin. Which is in keeping with, and we can go to the next slide right away, talking about an illustration of the Bible. You know, the Bible's word for sin is hamartia, which is an archer's term. And it reminds us that God created you and me to love and be loved. And so God gives us this arrow of love. It's like we're all a bunch of cupids out there. And God says, look, I'm going to give you this powerful thing and you're going to be like me because I am love. You were created to love and be loved. But you got to aim that love in the right place. Love for me, love for others, over yourself. That's the bullseye. Now, when you fire away with love, when you hit the bullseye, ah, that's good love. But if you miss even by a hairline fracture, If you miss off the mark, completely off the board, I mean, talk about abuse of love. It's all sin. That's love. And doesn't that make sense? Isn't that what sin is? Isn't that why we are so tempted and so drawn to that which kills? And so again, think of this. God's love is selfless, and it even rules over feelings 
So God causes by his love to, to make feelings submit. I think this is really helpful, especially for younger generations. But sin is always, always selfish. It's often taken captive by feelings. And you hear this a lot today, but I feel. But I know in my heart of hearts, I feel this way. I mean, that's, that's how I am. That's how I was born. Well, God all the way along says, I have a problem with how you're born today, sinful. And so we'll dry, drown that in the old waters here of baptism. We'll make you new, born again. You, you see how sin works. It's selfish. And we become slaves of our own feelings. But God says you don't have to be, and you're not a summary of your feelings. You can take control, and you can crucify them. In fact, that is God's call to every Christian. Crucify the old feeling self. So, let's look at the next thought. Here's our question. Is love is love, the deeper meaning, the LGBTQ form of love, which is love? Our question is, is it from God who is love or from sin, love misplaced? Didn't Jesus, in his loving truth, answer that in Matthew 19? And the scriptures are consistent. But in Jesus' culture, when the Pharisees are like, hey, can't we do with marriage what we want? I mean, can't we divorce for any and every reason? I mean, look at Moses even. In Deuteronomy, he says that. Jesus sticks to the truth, God's design. He says, look, in the beginning, God made them male and female. And it was for that beautiful design of God and the blessings that come out of that for families and children and order in this life that a man leaves his father and mother is united to his wife. And within that context, they become one, that's sexual intimacy. And what God joins together, no one can mess with. They shouldn't. And the disciples are like, that's crazy, Jesus. That's not very loving, in other words. Who can, who can tolerate that? And Jesus says, no, I get it. Not everyone can accept that, except for those to whom the word is given. And he says, and this is why, well, some have become like eunuchs. Especially for the kingdom, they've become celibate, non-sexual people. For those who can accept that word, Accept it. Now, what are we to do with that? Ah, it's so out of date today, so contrary to our culture. Well, I guess we have a choice. We could believe in the one who is love, who loved you and me so much, he suffered hell, so we never would, who knows something about love and feelings who actually the only one who's conquered death to show you and me our future in him. We can trust him as hard as that might be and learn of love from him. Or we can be our own gods and we can define love however we want. But in the end, we reap what we sow. And Jesus wants us to sow life, to reap and sow and sow and reap what is his. And that's why I love that God is love. Because he understands what is best for us, even if it's against every fiber of our being. 
And so walk away with this truth today. God has clearly answered that question in the Bible. But to believe it, that demands full faith, trust in Christ and Scripture. And that's our question for us today, really. Because love is love, that's not the issue. The issue is, what do you think of Jesus? Who is he? Praise God, you know. He is love. And he's here for you. And he's here to bless you. And he is here to give grace to all who have fallen short of that. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, an ally, asexual, intersex, whatever, or straight. We all are in need of God's grace, and you have it. We are praised. Praise God, we have it. And so then let God, who is love, cover over a multitude of love which is misplaced. And may we live in truth and love, creating a context that is not at all about fear, but about peace and conversations that can be had, and together walking, carrying one another's burdens. Friends, God is love, and he's given us the truth, and that truth sets us free. Amen.